Um, I've known Jeff McCracken as a good friend for about 12 years now. We went to a, a evangelism training event in Tampa, Florida, riding Howard Brown's uh, church there, and we roomed together there. And ever since then, we've felt, we felt a, a real friendship, a real connection. He's uh, uh, part of a, uh, several Oregon pastors that, that meet together every month through a Zoom meet to encourage and pray for each other. So um, this is the first time we've been able to have Jeff here. And, and Roxanne is his dear wife. They're powerful ministry in the word, strong prophetic ministry, uh, uh, organizing schools. And John Wesley in, this, in the First Great Awakening said, organize to beat the devil. Well, they're really doing that up in Rainier. And, and uh, Jeff's book, uh, the, the Dangerous Book for Christians, <laughs> real solid kingdom mindset book. You can see, you can get that on Amazon. I've read it to great edification to my own soul and spirit. And uh, I'm just looking forward to what Jeff has to share. I heard it last night. This will be a blessing to us. Let's let's uh, be great hearers of the word today. Give Jeff a warm welcome as he comes and ministers to us. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dan. It is a true honor to be here. Um, your pastor. I hope that you don't take him for granted. Uh, he is an amazing man of God. Of course, Brenda's even better. Um, but uh, Dan, for a number of years, we were trying to figure out how many years. I want to say seven to ten, something like that, was bringing a group of uh, evangelists all the way up to uh, Rainier, Oregon. Nobody knows where Rainier, Oregon is. We live in Longview, Washington. You might have seen that as you were passing through on your way to Seattle or something. And uh, and Rainier, Oregon is just across the river. So we have one foot in Washington, one foot in Oregon. But uh, but Dan has uh, brought a team up and, and trained the people in our Northwest School of Supernatural Ministry, uh, trained them in evangelism. And he is so gifted, also taught in our church. And um, this guy... He has a recall like nobody's business. I mean, he, he's like the spiritual Google. I mean, you can just, you know, he's just quoting stuff all the time. It's amazing. I don't know how he does it. I can't remember what I had for breakfast, you know. And um, But uh, my beautiful wife, Roxanne, is with me. Uh, not only do we have the Northwest School of Supernatural Ministry, but also she just recently started uh, a deliverance school. And uh, that's going really well. We have a lot of people from other churches that are both in the Deliverance School as well as in the Northwest School of Supernatural Ministry. We also have the Lower Columbia Healing Rooms. We have a small network that we've started um, bringing uh, leaders together across the Northwest. Uh, I serve on several different boards and different things. Um, I'm just trying to introduce myself to you. You're like, who's this little fat bald guy? Um, So... Trying to introduce myself a little bit. Uh, I serve, uh, represent Oregon at the U.S. Coalition of Apostolic Leaders. Uh, was just at a meeting with um, the International Coalition in Dallas two weeks ago. Eighty-some different countries there uh, as we gathered uh, apostolic leaders from all over the world. Um, we have a couple of our students with us from NWSSM. John Aday, who's a third-year student, he's endured us for three years. Um, and uh, also they, they both attend our church. John uh, just attended or just went with us as a missions team to India back in April where we trained 250-some pastors in the prophetic in a two-day school, um, also ministered all over India. Um, 
and Mr. Claude Hamer is a good friend of ours, longtime friend of ours, and a retired business owner. He's a second-year student. They're going to be helping us minister in the prophetic today. So when uh, Dan gives you opportunity for that, I would encourage you to bring your phone with your voice recorder open on it and record what, what's prophesied over you. Um, I encourage people, listen, I've done prophetic schools in over 10 countries around the world. Um, in Japan, in two weeks, I prophesied over probably over 5,000 people, um, which is a lot of yakking. And, um, but um, I always encourage people to record what's prophesied over them so they can go back, re-listen to it. You can even, um, I would encourage you to sit down and write out what's said from the recording because if the sound of my voice annoys you then you don't have to keep listening to it but you can read it and so um but pray into those words and there's a lot of potential in those words and just i'm not here to teach on the prophetic but let me say this real quickly uh those words are not promises those words are open doors you have to lean into that you have to have some responsibility for that you know, the joke that I like to use in our school is that if, uh, if John gets prophesied over that he's going to be the next great brain surgeon of the world and he goes home and instead of going to, to pre-med or med school, he goes home, rummages through the closet and finds the operation game and gets that out and becomes the best at the operation game, I guarantee there are no hospitals that will call him, Right? There's a responsibility on us to, to step into the prophetic word and be cooperative with the prophetic word and for it to be fulfilled. Can you say amen? amen? Awesome. See, that's something we didn't have last night was people saying amen, and it was really tough to preach. So um, I don't like that, but David was back there trying to keep me encouraged from the sound booth, and I appreciate it. David, you're awesome. And, uh, but, all right, hey, this morning we're going to dive into something and it's, it's kind of the reverse of something that I, I, um, speak on often, um, in many different places, but, uh, I teach on fivefold ministry. Some of you don't even know what that is yet. We'll talk about that in a minute, but it's the leader, it's the, um, leadership or the blueprint of the new Testament for the church. Now, when I talk about that, usually I'm talking to leaders about that. Now, here's, here's newsflash number one. First off, you're all leaders. You're all leaders. And uh, whether that's one person following you or no person's following you, you still have the potential to be a leader because God's calling you to that. Somebody say amen. amen. Or we'll, we'll dig deeper into that in a minute. But, uh, and, and the second thing is, is that I'm going to try and teach this in reverse and teach to you the importance of fivefold and their impact in your life, as opposed to teaching fivefold leaders and their impact into your life. Did I say that right? I don't know. It might've been totally backwards. We'll see. All right. But let's dive into it. Okay. In Ephesians chapter four, we're going to read verses 11 through 16. Here's my goal. We're going to read through this. I'm going to identify what the fivefold leaders are, and then we're going to try and give some application to it. Are you okay with that? Awesome. Okay, let's do it. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, it says, And he, that's Jesus, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, 
to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All right, so we've included scripture, so it's a legal sermon now. And, um, but I want to I wanna have you understand what's being said here because it's a lot of gobbledygook that's read real fast if, if we don't explain it. Um, and so let's, let's define some of these terms. If you want to go to the next screen, David. Um, so five-fold leaders. The first is an apostle. Apostles govern. I'm just going to go through this quickly, then I'll go back to it a little bit. Apostles govern. Prophets guide. Evangelists gather. Pastors guard and teachers ground. All right? If you didn't notice, they all start with G. And I wish I could tell you that I came up with that. I got it from somebody else. All right. Um, Hey, apostles are the leaders of the team. But it doesn't make them more important than the rest of the team. Somebody say amen. It means that they have an authority and a responsibility that is different than the others. And, And I like to say this. Um, there are no round tables in the kingdom. How many of you remember King Arthur and the round table? And, you know, he had all these knights that were sitting around the table. And the idea was that with it being a round table, that the king was sitting there at the same level that they're sitting at and everybody has an equal voice. That's really good in theory, but it's not very practical because at the end of the day, there's only one guy at the table wearing the crown. Can I just say to you that we need to remember that Jesus is the... King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. We are called to be kings and priests. Now that puts not only an opportunity, but a responsibility on us. Can you say amen? amen. And by the way, that's not just the fancy pants leaders that are up here on the, on the platform or somebody that has a title or something like that. Every believer is called to be a king and a priest. Amen. amen. And so we have the responsibility of leading, but we also have the responsibility of being holy in that. Okay, two, two amens on that. Okay, well, we'll, we'll visit that later. Um, let, me, um, let me make mention of this, and a question came from last night, and I thought this was genius. Somebody asked, well, if you're saying that there are still apostles, does that mean that the canonization of Scripture is still open? Now, some of you are like, canons? Who, who, where, are we pirate ships? What's going on? No, canonization of Scripture means, is, is the Bible still being written? And I would say no. Okay, it is not being written. It's, it's closed, it's captured. What's in the Bible, in fact, it even says no man should add to or take away from. Somebody say amen. Um, how many have read your Bible? How many know what a Bible is? Okay. Um, but, but now in the New Testament, depending on which version you read, there's between 28 and 32 apostles. And there's even one woman that's an apostle. Some people are so offended by that. And, but the reality is that God uses both of us, men and women. By the way, I'm not saying that I'm both. I'm just, that, anyway, okay, let's clear that up real quick. Um, but so in the New Testament, 28 to 32 apostles, but the 12 apostles are different. 
Jesus' 12 apostles, they, they were the founding apostles. They were, they're different than the other apostles. Now, the word apostle uh, was a Greek word and a, and a uh, Roman word that was utilized long before Jesus came along. And as I was growing up in church and I was reading about apostles, when he told them, hey, I want you to be my apostles, I was surprised they didn't go, what's an apostle? But they knew because the culture had apostles. Apostles were like leaders and generals that would go into a culture and they would impact the culture to change the culture. Can I just say to you that you have a couple right down here on the front row, Dan and Brenda Mickelson, that moved here 29 years ago to impact this region, to plant a church, and to change the culture of this region, and they're doing an amazing job of it. They're not only having impact inside of these... Come on, yeah, give them a hand. They're not only impacting the people within the four walls of this church but they're also impacting the culture outside of the four walls. I would, and and listen, I don't know anything about um, Medford, but I'm saying this prophetically. I would venture that other churches have stepped into evangelism purely by their example and by their leadership. I I know that our church, we ended up uh, hiring uh, our youngest daughter to come back from YWAM to be the evangelist in our church. And that's, that's why we haven't asked Dan to come back we, it's not that we don't like Dan. We love Dan. Um, but but our daughter, 22-year-old, this girl's crazy. She has improved my prayer life in ways you have no idea about. Um, she was just in Cali, Colombia. Um, they, in one night, they led 40 prostitutes, 40, 60, excuse me, 60 prostitutes and 20 pimps to Jesus in one night in Cali, Colombia. When she was in Mexico with YWAM, she walks up to these three guys that are six five and a couple hundred pounds each in a courtyard. And, and after she begins to talk to them, she says, are you guys with the cartel? They said, yes. And she had a word, and I, she's telling me this. I'm like, whoa. And, um, and she, she says she had a word of knowledge for the guy on the left. She says, hey, there's your grandma or somebody's been praying for you all your life for you to get saved. And the guy just begins to weep, this great big... You know, and he begins to weep. Listen, that guy is in YWAM today. Come on. She led all three of those guys to Jesus. They got filled with the Holy Ghost, and one of them's in ministry today. She's, this girl's crazy. When we were in India, she led a witch doctor to Jesus. It's amazing. Anyway, all right, let's keep going here. Um, uh, by the way, just I'm going to make this comment real quick about apostles and prophets. We travel and go to a lot of different churches. Um, And one of the things that I see fairly often is uh, people with business cards that say apostle or prophet. (laughs) Let me catch my breath. (laughs) Um, The way that you know if someone is an apostle or a prophet is that other apostles will recognize that person as an apostle. Other prophets will recognize that person as a prophet. It's not because they had a business card or a sign on the door of their car. Okay? In fact, if they have a card, I'm probably going to doubt that they are. I'm just telling you. And and the reality is, is that I'm, I'm going to recognize them by what they do, not by what they say. Not by what their card says. Are you there? All right. So we've talked about apostles. Let's move to prophets. So um, prophets are drawn to the hearing, uh, 
hearing the voice of God and knowing what is transpiring in heaven and what the Lord is doing. The greatest thing that a prophet will do is not to prophesy over you, but to teach others how to hear God's voice. You have that in this house. You have that where you're being trained to hear God's voice. That's awesome. Because it's not like the Old Testament where you had to go seek out a prophet to hear what God had to say, but every single person should be able to be trained to be able to hear God's voice. Jesus said that you should know the voice of the shepherd. Come on. Listen, if I get a phone call on this phone and the, and the caller ID for some reason isn't, isn't, isn't working and, and I answer it and I say, hello, and, and there's a woman's voice on the other end and she says, Hey, honey. And I say, who is this? <laughs> the joke would be that it's my wife on the other end of the phone. And that's going to be about three seconds before I meet Jesus <laughs> in person. Yes? Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'll just wake up dead one morning, you know. And um, But the reality is, is that we should all know God's voice. We should all be able to hear his voice and be tuned into it. Somebody say amen so I can move on. Okay, evangelists. Evangelists' goal is to share the gospel. They typically have two messages, get saved, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and you have an amazing leader that is leading that throughout this city and leading many of you to go out on the streets. Listen, if you haven't gone with them, you need to go with them because they're, they're tearing it up. I mean, some of the testimonies, we were sharing some testimonies at dinner last night. Some of the testimonies that Dan has, they're so crazy. And yet it's just because he had the faith to be willing to step out. I love that. Okay. Moving on. Pastors. By the way, let me, before I get to pastors, evangelists pastor people on the street. They pastor people that are outside the four walls of the church. They love them like they're part of their family even though they, they don't know that they've joined the family yet. They've been adopted. They just don't know it yet. They're a, I like to say they're a pre-Christian. They just don't know it. You know, they, they, um, you know Dan's got a target painted on him, you know, and, and they're going to, listen, they're going to get Jesus, all right? And so um, evangel- that's evangelist pastors. They create a culture within the church where you feel like you're a part of something larger. You feel like you're a part of the family. You feel like um, you're safe. You feel like um, you're loved. You're, you know, all of those things. I, the, the pastor that preceded me at our church, uh, if you had met him, you've had a hug. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. John's kind of the same way. John's, John's this loving guy, loves everybody, doesn't know any, you know, forgets all the bad stuff about them. And it's so funny because I can pick out um, pastors like a mile away. And we were actually in the car with um, one of the leaders in India. And um, he's shaking his head. No, he knows where I'm going already. And um, we're in the car and we're traveling to uh, the the uh, spot where we're doing the school. We're stopped at a light. And in India, these little uh, Muslim kids will come up and they'll knock on the window of your car. They do this in the Philippines. They do it all over the world. But, um, but they knock on the, on the window and then, um, and then they're trying to look sad and you're supposed to roll down the window and give them money. But the problem is that it, that it finances a lot of stuff that we don't want to finance. Okay. And so, uh, but I'm sitting in the, in the passenger seat in the front and, uh, John is 
and it's reversed because we're in India, the driver's on this side. John's right back here behind the driver and they're knocking on my window and I'm just ignoring them and no worries, right? John is in the back seat and they're knocking on the window and he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, they're so cute. What do I do? Oh, they're holding a baby. What? A, he's digging for his wallet. They're knocking harder, you know? And I'm like, John, just ignore him. The light will turn green in a minute. I, and I think for John, that light lasted about 30 minutes. <laughs> but, but it's because he loves people so much. He doesn't have to know them. He doesn't have to have a lifelong, you know, commitment with them. He just loves them. Why? Because he's pastoral. Somebody say amen. amen. Teacher. Teacher has you uh, has a goal of getting you grounded in the word of God. They want you to be rooted. When you ask them a spiritual question, they'll say, what's it say in the Bible? They're going to, they're going to, you know, what's the Bible say? What is it? But hey, what do you think about this? Well, what's the Bible say? And, and it, you know, sometimes you get to a point where you're like, I don't want to ask them anymore. You know, and because, um, you know, they're not going to give you a straight answer. It's just going to be, well, what does the Bible say? I don't know. That's why I'm asking you. You're the teacher. And so, but but Dan is very gifted as a teacher. And, and I'm just amazed by his teaching ability. I, I sincerely mean that. All right, let's go on to the next screen really quick. We're going to try and keep this rolling. So everybody hold up your left hand, please. Okay. So this is a way for you to remember the fivefold ministry. All right. So the thumb, everybody wiggle the thumb. Okay, the thumb is the apostle and he can touch or she can touch all of the other four ministries. An apostle is the only one that can reign in a prophet. I'll just tell you a secret. Prophets are a pain in the hind end if they're not reined in. Okay, and those of you that are that are prophets, just take that, you know, with all the love that you can muster anyway. Um, but but and, and I say that as someone who travels to do prophetic ministry. But if, if a prophet is not reined in, and I would suggest that the people in this house are reined in, um, but if they're not reined in, they will go into a church, they'll cause all kinds of problems, and when they leave, the pastor will be cleaning it up for the next six months. I, I'm, I'm, I'm totally serious. It's what ruins prophetic ministry for a lot of churches. Okay? So, all right, hold your hand up. Okay, left hand. Okay, your pointer finger is the prophet. They point the way. Right? So you got apostle, prophet. Now I'm not going to hold the middle one up by itself for, you know, obvious reasons. Okay? But that's the evangelist and they go further out into the world than anybody else. This one's the pastor and they're married to the church. Ring finger. Right? They're married to the church. Listen, the pastor is the one that, you know, they're like, uh, so I'm going to pick on John again. Okay? John would be like, Hey, you're new to the church? Oh, that's awesome. We love you. We want you, you know, uh, you can call me anytime. Um, you know, what, whatever you need. In fact, here, give, give me, let me give you my phone and you can call me on. No, if you call me on my phone, I won't be able to answer. Um, and, and, but they're like, they just, they want to love you so much that they'll do anything just so that you feel loved and cared for. And, and they really give their lives for that. It's, it's amazing. They represent Jesus well. Okay, last one is the teacher. It's the pinky finger, and the teacher can go places nobody else can go. <laughs> All right? Okay, now the other one, the, the picture on the right, or the diagram on the right, shows the pastor at the top and the evangelist at the bottom. Did you guys ever see um, the, I think it was the second National Treasure movie? How, how many saw that movie? Okay, so there's a scene in there where they get inside this, this cave. It's towards the end of the movie, and there's a big giant stone plate and, um, and they have to jump on it and they have to balance it. You guys remember this scene? 
Okay, and so uh, I'm just going to train. In fact, this is round, so this will work good. Okay, so so one of them goes over here, one goes over there, and they're kind of balancing, you know, the the plate. And then there's there's one on either side this way to keep this thing balanced. Because if they all run to one side, the whole thing's going to tip over. Okay, and so they're trying, you know, if one moves towards the middle, the other one has to move towards the middle. If one moves out, the other one has to move out. It's the same way with the pastor and the evangelist because the pastor's priority is, hey, we've got to love on the people in the church. We've got to care for them. We've got to make sure that they feel important. The evangelist is saying, no, those people are already saved. You need to come and help me uh, love on the people and make the people out in the streets and outside the church feel loved and important. And so there's this battle between them. Who are they going to love more? Okay, And then the same way with the prophet and the teacher. The prophet's like, well, what's God saying today? And the teacher's saying, who cares what God's saying today? We need to be grounded in the word. (laughs) And so they're battling back and forth. What's more important? Can I just tell you a secret? They're all important. You need the pastor and the evangelist. You need the prophet and the teacher. You have to have all of them. And the apostle is in the middle. Also, you'll notice this actually used to be the logo for our church. But you'll see those three little waves in the middle. That's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the apostle is working with those three to find out what's going on in heaven, but also to keep those four from killing each other. (laughs) Because they have to keep them balanced. But the apostle and prophet, in fact, let's go to the next one if you would. The apostle and prophet, their whole goal is to see what's going on in heaven and bring that to earth. They, they're, they're less worried about what's going on in the earth and more worried about what's going on in heaven. And their idea is that if it's not happening in heaven, it shouldn't be happening on the earth. If, if there's no sin in heaven, there should be no sin on the earth. If there's no sickness in heaven, there should be no sickness on the earth. If, are, you, are you catching a pattern here? And so that, that they're looking to heaven. What's going on in heaven? Let's make that happen on the earth. And so the prophet a lot of times will come along and say, hey, this is what I'm perceiving. He'll tell the apostle, he or she will tell the apostle, and then the apostle is going to come up with a game plan, a strategy, a declaration to be able to make that happen in the natural here. Somebody say amen. Okay, and then the teacher, they're trying to build foundation, which is the word. And can I just tell you, as each one of you are leaders... The foundation of who you are, now this is a secret that doesn't get talked about very much, but it needs to be. The foundation of who you are in everything that you're going to do. I don't care how anointed you are, how educated you are, how great a speaker, minister, whatever, business leader, uh, uh, political leader, uh, athlete, artist, none of those things are important to me if you don't have the foundation, which is this, character. That's why the word is so important because it builds your character. It builds that foundation. You could be the most anointed person in the world, but if you have a crummy character, you're going to have a crummy ministry. You have to have a good, strong foundation of character. Can you say amen to that? Okay. And so that's why the teacher is so important. Then the pastor and evangelist, they're not going up and down. They're going left and right because they're trying to reach people. Their whole goal is, is they're less worried about what's going on in heaven. The crazy apostle and prophet will take care of that. But we got to take care of the, who's taking care of these people? We got to go take care of the, uh, won't somebody help us? To, let's do it for the children, you know? And so their whole goal is to go out and minister to people, to love on people. Somebody say amen because you're loved. Amen. Good, 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 good. All right. 
We're going to move on here. Um, go ahead and go to the next screen. There we go. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. We started with this. We're going to end with this. That's a little cue that I'm getting ready to close. That should give you hope, okay? All right. But my wife might tell you that it shouldn't be a lot of hope because I could still keep going a long time. Okay, anyway. um, Just tell you something real quick. First time I had her preach, she gets up to preach. I'm sitting right where Brenda's sitting. She gets up, she preaches, she does the whole thing. She closes it in 20 minutes. And then I am am, uh, on the Lord's whatever. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. She looks at her watch, looks at me and says, see, it can be done. (laughs) The church almost stood up and gave her a standing ovation. Anyway. Okay, moving on. Sorry, I got to go get a sozo or something. Okay. Let's go back to this. And he himself, again, Jesus, gave some to be apostles. Let me, let me just point out something. So we're going to go through those fivefold again, but he gave some. That means that not everybody is an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. He gave some. Somebody say amen. amen. Listen, I, I need you to understand that these callings, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, are no more important than your calling as a business leader. Your calling as a politician, your calling as a school teacher, your calling as an artist, your calling as a housewife, your calling as a dad, your calling as a mom. Are you, are you catching on here? Whatever God is calling you to is the most important for you. These are not more important. These are supposed to be coaches to you that you rely upon to help you develop the character and calling in your life so you can be everything that God is calling you to be. Somebody say amen. Amen. Okay. So then in verse 12, it says, why why are these guys here? For the equipping of the saints. By the way, we talked about this for a second last night and Pastor Dan made reference to it this morning. There are some of you that have been taught that you are sinners saved by grace. And I know there's a scripture that says that. But let me change your theology just a little bit. If you declare that you are a sinner saved by grace, what you are doing is you are declaring that you are still a sinner and you are prophesying that you will continue to sin. That's bad theology. You are no, if you're saved, you are no longer a sinner. You are now a saint. Now, some of you with a Catholic background are saying, wait a minute, I haven't done this and this and this. No, if you've accepted Christ, then you're a saint. Now, I'm going to prove this to you scripturally. Because in the New Testament, how many of you have read the New Testament? How many of you believe the New Testament is for you? Good, because Paul wrote in almost ever the beginning of every one of his books, to the saints at, to the saints at, to the saints at. Why did he do that? Because you and I are saints if we receive Christ and he's writing to the church. That confirms biblically that you're a saint. Now, if you want to start introducing yourself as St. John or St. Bob or St. Martha or St. Tulabel, that's up to you. Okay? It seems a little awkward to me. 
you know, but whatever you want to do. I'm, I'm, going home, I'm going home today, so um, you guys do whatever you want to do in Medford, okay? But, um, but the important part is not whether you introduce yourself as that, but that you know that in your heart and your mind that you're a saint, not a sinner. Because as you walk, realizing that you're a saint, not a sinner, it will cause you to change your behavior. Because in the church that I grew up in, they tried to teach us and tried to um, uh, craft us from the outside in. It's called behavior modification. They tried to teach us. How how many of you um, remember the old phrase, uh, um, you don't uh, smoke, drink, or chew, and you don't go with the girls that do? That, that was common when I was growing up, okay? Now, that's behavior modification. Can I just tell you something? That your behavior doesn't change your heart. Because the real problem is not your behavior. The real problem is the state of your heart. And if your heart gets changed, then your behavior will change on the outside. But you can't change the heart by changing the behavior on the outside. Are, are you getting this? You've got to change from the inside out, not the other way around. Amen. It's good preaching, Pastor Jeff. You're, you're doing awesome. Yeah, okay, all right, whatever. It's okay, I came pre-filled pre, you know, up, so okay. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Listen, those that are in, those, in that five-fold ministry, listen, they're called to be servants unto you and coaches unto you to help you become all that you can be. Why? So that you can do the work of the ministry and edify the body of Christ. Pastor Dan is not on staff to do all the stuff that you don't want to do. (laughs) Said his mama. (laughs) That's awesome. I've been an associate pastor, so I've been in that role. Um, In case you didn't hear it, she said, that's what David's for. Okay. (laughs) Listen, the reality is, is that God didn't call you and I, all of us, to ministry so that we could hire somebody to do it for us. Can I just point out to you that if you're paying someone to do something that you don't want to do, you've just created a slave or servant mentality. And you've said that you're above those things. Oh, that that got real quiet. No amens there. But it's a reality. The fact is is that we're called to serve. And and I happen to know Pastor Dan and Brenda well enough to know that they don't serve from the top down. They serve from the bottom up. The whole goal is for the church to be like a pyramid that's upside down. Not Churches, when I was growing up in the 80s, I know I'm old, um, it, it was the top down. You know, the leader was at the top and they, they were the dictator. And it's not supposed to be like that. It's supposed to be an upside down pyramid. And we serve from the bottom to lift you up. I, I happen to know their hearts well enough to know that their goal is that you would build your floor on their ceiling. They want you to accomplish more than they've ever accomplished. Now, now listen, you, you may be sitting there thinking, man, I don't know why this guy's talking to everybody. I'm talking to you. This is about you and what God is calling you to do. Somebody say amen. amen. Okay. Um, verse 13, till we all, you didn't even know Paul was Southern, <laughs> till we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, 
I happen to have noticed that the churches are not in the unity of the faith, meaning that even though we believe probably 15 out of 16 of the same things, but for some reason pastors can't get together in a city and be, be organized to beat the devil. They don't want to work together. They, they think that they need uniformity, not unity. Uniformity is when we all dress the same, think the same, walk the same, talk the same. Jesus didn't call us to that. He wants variety in the church. He wants different churches and different styles and all of those things. But that takes unity, not uniformity. Come on, are you there? That means that you can work with the Nazarenes or the Baptists or the whoever's down the road and you can work with them and you don't have to agree on everything. You don't have to agree on everything, but you can work on the things that you agree together with. Jesus was born of a virgin. He um, lived a sinless life. He, he died on a cross. He paid for our sins. He paid for, you know, you, you can start going down the list. There's a lot of things that we agree on. But in order for the church to come into unity, it's going to mean that we're going to have to work together with people we don't always agree with. And that's possible. You know how I know that? Because we just celebrated 30 years of marriage. Thirty and this is probably a newsflash, but in thirty years we haven't agreed on everything all the time. I mean, you see me up here and how anointed I am. I mean, how could you know? (laughs) There was a lack of amens on the front row right there. Listen. She needs a medal or something for being married to me for 30 years, right? And, um, you know, the Bible says he who has found a wife has found a good thing. Uh, That's a good time for the husbands and wives to amen. Husbands, that's a hint for you because you might get some points. You know, lean close to your wife. Amen, yeah. But she says it doesn't say what she found. Now, I don't know what that means, but I don't think it's very nice. You know, he was found, a wife has found a good thing. What did she find? Who knows? <laughs> the unity of the faith, we got to work together. And of the knowledge of the son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're described as the body of Christ. Jesus is the head, right? right. Let me just uh, point out something to you that if the head is commanding the body to do something, but the body is not doing that, that means that the body is handicapped. I am hoping that the body of Christ is not handicapped. Because whatever Jesus is doing, the body should be doing as well. Come on, somebody. Let me point this out. The... uh, A friend of mine shared this with me recently. None of us know when Jesus is coming back. One person agreed. Okay. Maybe the rest of you know. Um, None of us know when Jesus is coming back. The Bible says no man knows the day or the hour. Okay. And, but it's interesting because the Bible says that Jesus tells his prophets everything before he does it. That's why God the Father hasn't told Jesus when he's returning because Jesus would tell everybody. That's scripture. 
the first time I heard it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, I'm stepping back in case this guy gets hit by lightning. You know, I thought it was sacrilegious or something. It's actually true. Because Jesus wants to help us so much that he shares with us, that he, that he helps us, that he encourages us. He speaks to us. Come on, somebody. I'm going to share some words of knowledge in just a second before we transition. But that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men. Can I just point out to you that there are people that will give you bad doctrine, bad theology, and lead you in the wrong way, and it will jeopardize your Christianity. And it will give you bad theology. You have to be careful. You've got to make sure that you're with somebody that's grounded like uh, Dan and Brenda that are going to make sure that you have good theology. Come on, somebody. This is a healthy church for a reason. Okay? All right. Did I have anything else on there, guys? Oh, the rest of the verse. That'd be a good thing. Um, but speaking the truth in love, let me mention that real quick. Truth in love. This is a good one. Are you ready? Lord spoke this to me while I was teaching in our school. The truth, you might want to write this down. The truth without love is abuse. Love without truth is enabling. Truth without love is abuse. Love without truth is enabling. We need both. We need people in our lives that are willing to speak the truth in love and tell us when something's going wrong. I, I have a brother-in-law that worked in a, in a sawmill, and, or excuse me, in a paper mill. And uh, he had to go to the restroom. He left his, his uh, spot on his machine, and he goes down uh, to the restroom, and he's coming back. It's, it's a really long building. It's about a quarter mile to the restroom. So he's coming back from the restroom, and as he's going by these other machines, he's waving to his buddies, and they're waving, but they're dying laughing. And, and this is on multiple machines. And he's like, man, everybody's just really joyful today. He gets back to his station. He goes to sit down and he realizes that, you know, the, the paper thing that you put on the toilet seat before, that's hanging out the back of his pants. <laughs> and his good friends on the, on the other machines, they didn't say anything. How you doing, Sean? Good to see you. Didn't tell him. That's not the truth in love. That's, that's love and humor or something. <laughs> Truth and love may grow up into all things, into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together. That's so important. You are part of the body. And if you are not there and you are not doing your role, then the body is handicapped in what it's supposed to do. Do you know that if you were to lose a toe, there's actually, if you lose a toe on the job, that there's, I used to work in mills. There's actually a, a federal uh, bracket for how much money you will receive because you lost that toe. There's a certain amount of money. If you lose an arm, if you lose an ear, whatever, right? There's a certain amount. By the way, that's not a savings plan, okay? Don't like, man, two toes, I could go to Hawaii. Um, you know, that's, that's not a good idea, okay? But, um, but the reality is that the body of Christ has to have all of its parts. And if you're not doing your part then the body's not doing its fullness, okay? Whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. All right, go ahead and stand to your feet. That'll give you hope that I'm wrapping it up. (laughs) 
All right, here's what I want to do. I, I rarely can preach without doing an altar call, but I'm going to do it this morning, okay? So go ahead and put your hands out, just palms up in front of you if you would. And I'm going to stay up here. I'm not doing anything weird, okay? But I want you to close your eyes for just a minute. Okay, now I want you to ask Holy Spirit, Lord, please show me what I am called to do. Please show me what my anointing is. And I believe that the Lord is showing you a picture or speaking to you, some way communicating with you. Some of you knew before you walked in the building. Others of you have never even thought about it before. But if you're truthful and honest with Holy Spirit, he will show you what he has for you. He may not show you all of it, but he'll show you the next step. And so Lord, we just stand together today and Lord, we ask for your voice in each of our lives. And we ask you to speak to us and share with us what it is that you have on your heart for us. Lord, we want to fulfill and walk out what you have a calling on our lives to do. You are so amazing, Lord, and you want to do amazing things in us and through us. So Lord, would you just, would you speak to us? Would you whisper to us? I believe there's some of you that will have uh, dreams and visions. The Lord will speak to you within the next week and show you things that he wants to do in your life and through your life. Some of you, it's going to be business. Some of you, it's going to be financing the kingdom. Some of you, it's going to be teaching in a public school. Others, it's going to be art. Others, it's going to be uh, sports. Some, it's going to be uh, being on television or, or being on a stage or a platform. There's, there's an assortment. And there's no way I could list all of the things. But the Lord wants to use each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just really quickly, I'm going to share these quick words of knowledge. You can put your hands down, by the way, open your eyes. Um, Last night, the Lord showed me these in in the hotel room. um, And one person responded, told me this morning, it was your drummer, actually. Um, The the word that, uh, one of the words I got was that somebody is getting ready for a test, like uh, SAT or some other kind of test. And God wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you today. And so um, the the drummer, he's actually getting ready for a Greek test, Greek three. I was like, man, Jesus help him. And um, But he's going to do that Thursday. Is there anybody else that you're facing a test, um, written test, some kind of test? Anybody that's uh, facing a test, just slip your hand up right now. Good. Back here, back here, back. whole bunch. They're all on this side. Um, go ahead and keep your hand up. Go ahead and over here, okay? Keep your hand up nice and high so people can see it. Okay, if you're near one of them, would you go to them really quickly? I just need a couple people to pray for each of them. Quickly, please. Okay, secondly, um, the, the Lord showed me this was really weird, but um, a health issue that has to do with a cartridge. Now, I don't understand this. I saw a picture of it, but there's some kind of a, um, a machine or something that, uh, that the doctors have said needs to help you with your health, and it has some kind of a cartridge in it. I don't know what that means. I I feel really goofy even saying it to you because I don't understand it. But is there anybody that has something like that right here? Perfect, okay? Anybody else? Okay, can I get a couple of men to go to this this young man right here? Okay, come on quickly. Thank you, Lord. I had no idea what that was. Okay, the last one. Now, this might be everybody in the room, okay? So, um, but I I feel like it's it's a pretty intense thing is that, 
um, the Lord showed me the word heat and, um, and you're dealing either with like major heat issues or major cold issues in your body. So, you know, like everybody has hot flashes or whatever, but, but I feel like this is kind of almost like an extreme thing. If that's you, would you slip your hand up real quick? I want to, I want to have some people minister to you. Good. Back here, back here. Where else? Right here. Who else? Okay. I saw you. I saw, okay, good. Back here. Couple ladies back here. Okay. Um, if I get some ladies right back here, the brown sweater, I can't see, I saw a hand the other, like a disjointed hand back here. All I could see was the hand. Um, she's standing behind somebody tall. Okay. Uh, if I can get a couple people. Yep. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else? Oh, right back here. Okay. Good. Anybody else? Yeah, they, they've got her. Um, thank you. Uh, anybody else? Okay, so Lord, we just come to you for these each of these issues. Lord, you know what these issues are, and you showed them to me in the hotel room because, Lord, you want to minister to these. And, Lord, I speak complete wholeness and healing over each and every one of these people. Lord, that they would receive everything that you paid for at the cross. Lord, we don't have to ask you to heal them because you've already paid for it, so we receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I speak over those that are about to take a test. Lord, that you're going to encourage them, that you're going to bless them. Lord, I ask for a peace for them, a shalom peace that's going to overwhelm them and, and Lord, uh, calm their nerves. Lord, for those with health issues, I speak over them right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they would um, be touched, that they would be ministered to. Lord, that they would receive the fullness of the healing that you paid for at the cross. We bless each and every one of these, Lord God. Lord, you have a plan for every one of them. And I just bless them right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I just want to really quickly share this word with you that I shared last night, and then Pastor Dan's coming. I'm a little bit over my time, Pastor Dan. Am I okay? Okay. I'm just going to read you this. So um, the the Lord said that there is a breakthrough coming for Medford and the region. It's It's a spiritual breakthrough, but I think it's also going to be manifest in the natural. And in fact, the Lord gave me um, the word flood, that, that it's going to flood the area in such a way that it's going to cross denominational lines. I believe it's going to start early in 2024 in January and that across denominational lines, people are going to recognize this. It's not just going to be like, the Assemblies of God or the Foursquare or the this or that. But I feel like it's going to cross denominational lines and it's going to impact many. And that, um, that it's not going to be contained to one brand. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. And even as I was sharing this last night, the Lord said to pray against a physical flood in your region. Now, I don't even know. I'm, I'm quite a ways away from here. So I don't know if you guys have normal flooding, but I feel like I'm supposed to pray against flooding for your region for this winter. So, Lord, we just come to you for that spiritual breakthrough, that flooding of the region with your presence. And, Lord, we thank you for that. We receive that. We're going to steward it well. Lord, I ask that you release it, Lord, and that people would begin to recognize and lean into it for everything that you have for them. And, Lord, I speak against physical flooding in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would protect the homes, the businesses, the people, the, the, the investments. Lord, that you would protect those in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Lord, in your mighty name. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jeff. Really, really good word. Really... 
Appreciate that. Appreciate the worship, Tina and team today. Appreciate the Holy Spirit being with us today. We'll, we'll have a ministry team over here on this side to minister miracles, signs and wonders, healing, body, soul, and spirit. You, the, that team can come up right now, pastoral care, altar team. We've seen healings, several healings recently there. My nine-year-old grandson gave me a word today, and the Bible says your sons and your daughters, and I think that includes grandsons and granddaughters, will prophesy. He told me to say this at the end. Hi, I'm Pastor Dan, and I want to tell you about God. He is an amazing Savior. If you trust Him, He will save you. And He is love, peace, and joy. My nine-year-old grandson named Xavier, which is Latin for Savior, named after Jesus. So, if you brought someone today and you're pretty sure they're not born again, I want, you to, I want you to bring them up front. Ask them if they'll come up front and pray a prayer so that they can be born from above and get started with Jesus. Their spirits are dead. They need to come alive. Let there be light. Let the light and life of Jesus start. Start with Jesus today. That's the invitation to whoever brought anybody that might be unsaved, not born again. Or if you came by yourself and you're not sure that you're born from above, get your butt up here and get saved. <laughs> In about five minutes, we're going to be having a prophetic ministry with part of Marty's wonderful team and Jeff's team. They will minister personal prophetic words. Remember, we love you. God loves you. Leave with a smile on your face and a song in your heart, a dance in your step. Okay? God bless you.